0: To episode hundred and two of Forty Going on fourteen. I am Mike. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. Good, bad. I'm the guy with the
1: unusually large collection of D D books. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wasn't sure where
1: you were going with that. We also would have accepted buttocks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> eh. I'll take buttocks for two hundred, Frank. Uh, you may notice that uh, only three
1: of us have introduced ourselves because uh, Patrick is off for his birthday
0: yes he is out celebrating listening Aww. to the eagles Hi' as an eagle <laughs> <laughs> to be He's floated away <laughs> So we do have Robopat
3: Robopat
0: yeah and I just want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Nikki New Zealand who we have and uh, Luke and Nikki's boyfriend whose name I John John. Yes, who we went out with last weekend, had pizza with at Lou Malnati's. She got her first taste of true Chicago deep dish pizza and gave in after one piece.
1: The next day, uh, she joined uh, me and my wife, Sarah, for uh, Lincoln Park Zoo and the Aaron Water Show,
0: did lunch at the Berghoff, Chicago Art Institute. Yeah, saw you guys out at uh, Buckingham Fountain, too.
1: Yeah, that was where we ended the day, although I believe they went on to
0: Navy Pier. Oh, neat. Jeez. Well, it was a good time. Energizer bunnies. Yes, and thank you also to, like I said, Luke. Luke came out to say uh, hi also. It was good to meet you guys. Yeah, he
1: also uh, drove me home from the pizza place, despite my terrible direction sense.
2: <laughs> He's a good dude.
1: I, I had him driving me in the wrong direction.
2: Was he wearing a fedora?
0: A trilby. Yes. Is that, that from Star Trek? That's a kind of hat, Joel.
1: Oh. That, that's the one that most people that don't know what the hell a fedora is call a fedora. Yes. Oh, so he was wearing a fedora then so anyway <laughs> and trilby is not a fedora
0: yes it is you freak
1: Ooh, oh
0: he's wrong <laughs> you know you know some other people that wear fedoras and
1: not trilbies oh, would that be the fine folks at the musings of a geek podcast network
0: oh yes i bet a couple of them have trilbies and fedoras though and you can see such fine podcasts on their site like uh who the what now and uh Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks. Got history any of Bad Ideas. History of Bad Ideas. Hobie Guys, yes. And uh the bearded ones. And everybody's favorite non existent sports podcast, the Left Field Sports Lounge.
1: Yeah, a special thank you to the guys from History of Bad Ideas, especially Jeffrey. Uh, we know you reached out uh, to uh, possibly appear with us on this episode. We just uh, ran out of time to work out the details to get you guys on here.
0: Yeah, things kind of got a little haywire-ish near the, on this last week. So, uh, But we definitely want to cross over. Yeah. Into, I don't know. What side would that be? I was going to say the dark side, but I wasn't sure which side that would actually... It's both sides. Both sides is the dork side. Yeah. Well, uh, dork if you'd like
1: to fakes. delve pretty deep into the dork side and check out all of our uh, archives, you can always find all of our shows on Talk Shoe. And we are slowly but surely getting them onto iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher.
0: Mm hmm. Little by little, they're getting back, uh, the backlog is getting filled up. And you can also uh, find us on the uh, Geek Life Radio at noon on Saturdays.
1: If you want to give us a call, uh, let us know some ideas for shows or have a comment on an episode that you loved or hated, you can always give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Yes. Do we have any uh, feedback? Oh, yeah. We got a few voicemails. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. That's uh, I, I'd love to say I screened any of these, but I totally didn't. <laughs> Here we go. Hello,
3: 40 Going On 14. This is Luke from Chicago. I thought one that I would call in to, uh, as a follow up to the, uh, impromptu, uh, 40 going on 14 listener party, say It was kind of funny to have the, um, nearest and pretty much farthest, sorry, Killa, um, listeners at the same party. Um, ask me how I know that I am the nearest. Um, go, go ahead and, go ahead and ask. Cause I, cause I found huh? that out. Um, I didn't, yeah, how um, do you know you're the nearest? Um, two bits of feedback. I just made it through the D&D show and I was actually amazed. This is the first like D&D retrospective where no one started just screaming about the fourth edition. So I was actually a little, uh I was surprised. No, like, incoherent rage about it. Um, but I'm good with that. Also, Muppet follow-up. Uh I have been seeing Muppet pictures online. I'm like, alright, cool. They can feel in, hanging out with Muppets. I was hoping it was a Firefly crossover reboot thing, but I just passed the billboard and the billboard told me apparently there's a Muppet sitcom coming to the television. Um yeah, so that's apparently that's how I get my news now is is from uh billboards with Muppets on them. Um anyway, just thought that was interesting. Uh posteriors in the direction of travel, y'all.
2: Could be worse. And you should watch the trailer for the Muppet show. That's the new one that's coming out. It's
0: freaking amazing. Posteriors to the frontal direction is that what he said? He said posteriors in the direction of travel. Ah. Very nice. Yeah, that's true. We had our closest fans and our furthest fans in the same spot. That was pretty sweet. That was fun. All
3: right. Uh, on to the next. <clears throat> okay, so Taco Meat Drips on Nipples would be two, I'm sorry, would be the obvious choice if Taco Meat Drips on Nipples one wasn't such a flop. Uh, and also, uh, I just have to kind of throw this out here, an instrumental version of the song Beth Played in a teen boner makeout comedy is a lot more metal than Kiss. <laughs> wow, uh,
0: that, that was the nicest voicemail we've ever gotten from him.
1: I think he was nice to us once before, but that was very quick to the point and informative.
0: It was, and I think he was on medication. Is it still going? No, it isn't. I was listening to like a three. He's gonna like go meta on us and have like a three-week silence.
3: Wait, some of you were camp counselors? That sounds horrifying, especially Pat. I would assume that he would make them the kids deathmatch or something or at least fight in a cage. That sounds terrifying. But awesome.
1: Well, I tried to do the uh, long pause thing with Luke's two
0: voicemails there. Nice. When really you when I was counseling once we once did the uh, scary scary stories type thing. I was at a T.P. camp. We were in T.P.s so all the way at the far end of the camp, across a huge field. And it was like a smoky, you know, like foggy night. We told the scary stories, and we had one of the counselors uh, shirtless around the corner, Jason mask on, machete that we had dipped in uh, um, propane or had, what's the stuff you put in the uh, the torches? Uh, kerosene. Kerosene. Yeah, it was dipped in kerosene. So we came to the scary part, and I'm telling the story. And the kids are all like, oh my God. And he comes leaping out of the forest, shirtless, Jason masked, flaming machete. And it was hilarious. One kid stood there and just pissed himself. Oh, man. Oh, it was beautiful. And then we realized that all the other ones were gone. And we're like, we got to find these guys. <laughs> you know the difference between you
1: telling that story and Pat telling that story? Uh, there's no hookers. No, I was saying when Pat tells that story, since it was in Texas, the kids would have shot the guy 15 times after he jumped out of the forest.
2: <laughs> I always think what have thought that was against his court order to talk about those sorts of things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Patrick. People with their shirts off. Anyway. So, is it about that time? Oh, I think it is. This week in music, movies,
3: and TV.
1: <laughs> wow, that, that was loud. <laughs> it was. So <laughs> very aggressive and sports this week. Uh-huh.
2: I was expecting it not to come out that loud, and my voice just was like, "Hey, we're gonna
0: bust this one out." <laughs> you immediately lose your voice afterwards.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this week, 1981 was the year that Evil Dead was released. I had no idea it was released in '81. I thought it was a later than that. Honestly,
2: well, the original, yeah. yeah.
0: The- yeah, I thought it was I thought it was later than that. I didn't realize that I was so close. I mean, because that's just like just after Star Wars and you know I don't know. That it was later than that. Either way. Uh, okay, so the number one song in music, Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie.
1: This is one of those songs that when it comes on Sirius XM, I changed to a different decade.
0: Aw. It's got Lionel Richie in the end of his cool career time. Right. No no the nineteen eighty one. Well, yeah, it wasn't until like Eighty four, yeah. eighty five. He was doing like dancing on the ceiling and stuff like that, right?
1: Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. I was, I was thinking his best years were still ahead of him here.
0: Oh, oh.
1: He had, he had not done. Uh, we are the world. Had he done a hello? Is it me
2: you're looking for? No, yeah. not yet. You're not. You don't count like Commodores.
1: Uh, when I think of his best years, I probably think of hellos of me you're looking for,
0: dancing in the park, and, and the sometimes
1: ceiling. on the ceiling. Yeah,
0: <laughs> sometimes. Okay. August 24th, Mark David Chapman was sentenced sentenced to 20 years to life for John Lennon's murder. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't think in uh, 81 I knew who either of them were. I knew who the Beatles were. My mom was a huge Beatles fan growing up, like president of the Chicago Beatles fan club through WLS when she was a kid.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I knew who the Beatles were, but in 81, I was five. I don't think I could have named any of them. Oh,
2: wow. I, I got the Mark David Chapman newsletter. I had a poster on the wall. I was a big fan, and then he did that. None of that is true. You're an idiot.
0: Jim. So, in sports. Michael Murray <laughs> was born on August 24th. He's Why? A, Why is that a thing? I don't know. He's an actor, writer, and fashion model known for portraying Lucas Scott in the series One Tree Hill. He has also why <laughs> why is Pat making me read this? <laughs> Even from afar. He has his roles in the films Freaky Friday, A Cinderella Story, and House of Wax. Okay. I, I'm not gonna take issue with the fact that Pat put that in here.
1: I am going to wonder why it's in the music section.
2: Oh, oh
0: nice catch.
2: He's high. <laughs>
0: On August 23rd, the Violent Femmes are discovered by members of the Pretenders while busking outside a Milwaukee venue. They are invited to play a 10-minute acoustical set as a second opening act in the Pretenders' show that night. And that's pretty cool. I did not know that they uh, were discovered that way. That's awesome.
2: Why is that in the sports section, though?
0: (laughs) So, movies. The number one movie is An American Werewolf in London. Good movie. Amazing movie, which interrupted a 10-week run by Raiders of the Lost Ark. The best movie.
1: Yes. Okay.
2: Do you want to hear a little, uh, you're going to go, no. I, I've never seen an American Werewolf movie. What? Huh. I'm, I'm not a fan of werewolf movies other than the Underworld series. So it's one that oh. I need to see and I'm waiting for the show to, to watch it. At some I was going to say, didn't they remake it? No, they did American Werewolf okay. in Paris. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that was pre- uh, though so we can do werewolf movies you know it's their i don't know but it you you need to see it Joel it is it this despite you not liking werewolf mo- movies the fact that it's um crap i just forgot who directed it so,
2: uh is it Joe Dante no no not Joe, not Joe Dante not Joe da-
0: uh Richard the guy who did blues brothers uh, fuck
2: i know who this is um John Landis. You... what John Landis. yes um, If you want a counterpart, I mean, if you want a reason to watch it for maybe like Halloween, there's a movie out right now called Late Phases that is getting a lot of notice and it's a werewolf movie. Now, Silver Bullet, there's a werewolf movie I like.
1: I think you'd like American Werewolf in London. It's got like – it rapidly changes gears from uh, pretty decent horror to wacky comedy.
2: Yeah. It's uh, on my list of things to see. I just it's it's down towards the bottom. So I yeah. figured the show would probably give me a reason at some point. Yeah.
1: And then we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies and it's a shame they never made a fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so I will uh, so we'll never do it on this show. Right. No, maybe we'll uh, have to do something like a uh, retrospective for Harrison Ford the way we're doing for uh, Bruce Campbell today. Oh, yeah. Hey, Josh, is your refrigerator running?
0: Stop that. Anita Luz, (laughs) 93, American novelist, screenwriter, and playwright, best known for Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, died on August 18th.
1: She is second best known for being the target of many prank phone calls, in bar she wasn't actually there.
0: (laughs) On uh, August 25th, Jack Tyree, a 37-year-old film stuntman, was killed during the filming of Dun Dun Dun, acronym of the week. TSATS That would be tentacle sex at the Safeway.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, that anime was awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean the stunt he was doing was really out there.
0: He, he shouldn't have attempted it. He missed an airbag by 2 feet after jumping off of an 180 foot cliff. Wouldn't you if you had tentacles chasing you? 2 feet. That is the close that is like the ultimate close but no cigar.
2: That's like a Peter Dinklage
1: I just realized that the biggest downside to not having Patrick here for this section is uh, I have no idea what that actually is.
0: Oh, shit. We don't do it. We- <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: Hold oh. on. I'm on it. No, no. I think we'll just roll with uh, tent- c- tentacle sex at the Safeway. I- I'm curious, though. If anybody knows, call in. Give us something. Give us what you think T-S-A-T-S is. Joel's going to look it up. You can move on, though. All right. Two feet. Uh TV. Mm-hmm. A frequent G4 show host, Kristen Adams, is born August 17th.
1: I'll never forgive G4 for what happened to tech TV. Never forgive that.
0: G4 TV for the whole thing all around, just going all lame.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was the thing. It's like G4, when it blended with tech TV, it uh, made tech TV lame. And then it just got worse and worse. Although it did give us a couple of uh, decent correspondence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ah, The
2: Sword and the Sorcerer. Oh,
0: Ah. we got to do that, too. That was I recall liking that movie. I'm not going to say I I still do, though. Um, TV still Rachel Bilson, an actress known for playing Summer Roberts in the series. The O.C. was born August 25th and The Waltons airs its final episode on August 20th.
2: I know this isn't from The Waltons, but good night, John boy. Isn't that from The Waltons? What's that from?
1: That's from uh, Bonanza. No, uh, Little House on the Prairie. No, the
2: Walt. No, it's actually
0: from the Waltz. <laughs> oh,
1: you are a you freaking
0: idiot. <laughs> In reality, the ending thing was that John Boy wakes up, and the entire series was a dream.
2: After he shot Jr.
0: Yes, Sport. a dream by Michael Landon. <laughs> What would
2: Michael Landon do? There's actually an extended episode of Highway to Heaven. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> and I know. then the sad Hulk walked away.
0: Ding,
3: ding, ding, ding.
0: Aww. On August 21st, in Las Vegas, Wilfredo Gomez lost the WBC Junior Featherweight Boxing Championship to Salvador Sanchez. That means nothing to me. This is the other reason that we need. Well, no, that's, that. that's
1: boxing. I yeah.
0: mean, WBC is just the Boxing Federation. Yeah. And uh, Ian Botham. Scores a century in 86 balls versus Australia at Old Trafford on August 15th. That is the cricketest sentence you have ever said. That I, I will never say anything more crickety than that. If he's going to continue to put cricket alert before cricket notices, we should
2: have like a sounder that goes cricket alert and have that, you know, the cricket sound when they rub their legs together. Oh, yeah.
0: And no crickets played cricket.
2: And then an outro for this segment. Yes pretty much
1: bruce campbell uh it's one of my personal favorite actors he's got this kind of sarcastic charm and roguishness to him a little rough around the edges uh, you can see that any part written for bruce campbell could probably only really have been played by bruce campbell
2: yeah and you can tell where there's a lot of films that were specifically with written with him in mind because of that fact
0: yeah, there were and there were a lot of films that could have had him that we we discovered when we were talking and uh, researching this that like uh Darkman was he was originally the first choice to play Darkman, which I think mm-hmm. would have totally changed the movie around.
2: I was going to say which he would have stuck it out and played him throughout the entire series oh, yeah. rather than, you know, Liam Neeson going
0: to Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> I think there would have been like eight Darkman movies by this point. But <laughs> so uh a little background on him, Bruce Lorne Campbell was born on June 22, 1958, in Royal Oak, Michigan. He is the youngest of three brothers, uh, the son of Joanne Louise Pickens and Charles Newton Campbell, who was a traveling billboard inspector. How did he get that job? I don't know. That Isn't that what Luke does? He's a traveling billboard inspector? I think so. <laughs> he just drives up, gets out of the car. That's a billboard. Check. Get back in, drive away. Puppets. yep. At uh, 14, he Bruce got to play the young prince in The King and I and actually got to sing. However, he was also interested in directing and shot Super 8 flicks with a neighborhood pal, and I would love to see those. Right? Seriously. If those ever become available, I am on that, like, white on rice. So, Filling in for Pat, are you? Yeah. I figure somebody's got to. Uh, perhaps, Oh, well, actually, am I the, yeah, I'm the furthest Southern member when once Pat's out, so I guess I gotta be the racist this one. Aw. Eh. However, he was also interested in directing. Da 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 da. Perhaps through fate, he met future director Sam Raimi in high school drama class in 1975. Soon, along with Sam and now a bunch of other high school pals, Bruce filmed about 50 Super 8 movies. Think
2: of how many awesomeness things are lingering out there somewhere, directed by Sam Raimi with Bruce. Yes,
0: high school, high school Sam Raimi and high school Bruce Campbell. <laughs> right. Shot on Super 8. There is a box set out there that I will willingly throw my money at. Just to watch those. Yep. So, uh, but in the early part of 1979, with buddy Sam Raimi, he decided to become a pro filmmaker and armed with a Super 8 horror, armed with a Super 8, sorry, a horror film within the woods was shot in 1978. They showed potential investors, and they raised $350,000 to make The Evil Dead in Which, 1981.
2: a if I... Remember correctly, and I sorry to cut you off there. No, I, I have the the two special editions of these on Blu-ray, and the Army of Darkness one is about to come out soon. This in a couple months, but um, I think if I remember correctly, they have the Within the Woods on the original Evil Dead Blu-ray special edition.
1: Yeah, it's uh, been shown before on cable. Uh, I didn't mark it when we were doing our list of things we've seen, but I realize now that I've actually
0: seen Within the Woods. Okay, three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars yep in and and if you sorry go ahead 81 have you seen the original evil bed
2: uh, oh yeah before yeah have you mike recently either of you uh, uh not recently within
0: the last few months yeah
2: because i hadn't seen it because uh, when when i first saw the original evil dead 2 i went back and saw this one later but i hadn't seen it in probably a decade and i watched it like oh six months ago and i bought the dv the blu ray and it's amazing how well done and how well it holds up for three hundred fifty thousand bucks from nineteen eighty one.
0: Well, I just did the calculation in today's dollars, adjusted for inflation and all that. Hoo ha! It equals nowadays would have been nine hundred fifty two thousand dollars. So still under a million. Yeah, which it still makes it damn impressive. It's it's a great flick. It really is. Yeah. So he uh, played Ash in that, and uh, they raised ten times as much cash for The Evil Dead Two in nineteen eighty seven. Again, co-produced by Bruce and starring him as Ash again. In 1992, he rejoined Sam and and they co-produced and created the third of the Evil Dead trilogy, Army of Darkness, for Universal Studios. And two different endings on that one.
2: Which... Think about this if if you are not a fan of the series because right at this point they they knew that they had a property that was marketable Universal did but then they go and release it in the theaters and think how many people had never seen the other ones because they're kind of cult classics and they walk into this going what the hell just happened
1: yeah what well, <laughs> and they kind of made the same movie
0: three <clears throat> times I'd say twice yeah the third one was a was a no P. no F. I'm yeah. counting within the woods oh, oh. yes
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm not talking. Army of Darkness is a wild departure from the other two, but this, by the time you get to Evil Dead Two, it's been made three times. Mm
2: -hmm. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, uh, technically, they they don't consider Evil Dead Two being a remake of the others, but it really
0: is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what was I going to say about that? I I was just thinking about people coming in and seeing the Evil Dead or Army of Darkness. You're right, Joel, because that, that first scene where he falls in from the sky and it's like, why do they drop a car and why is that guy jumping on a mattress? Why does he have a
2: chainsaw? Where'd the shotgun come from? Where's his hand? I mean Where's it, it S- must have been Michael?
0: What so many unanswered questions. Uh his large jawbone gave him the nickname The Chin. And uh he actually pays homage to that in his autobiography called If This Chin Could Talk. <laughs> so that's on my list of things I need to read too. Me too. Uh, The L-shaped scar on his chin came from a fight that he had with his brother, Don Campbell. Don King Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Huge chin and big hair. Uh, He babysat Ted Ramey, the younger brother of Sam Ramey and Ivan Ramey. And uh, longtime friend and friend collaborator collaborator Sam, again, also wanted him to play the lead role in Darkman in 1990. But the producers refused to cast him because they didn't think he could handle it. He appears at the end of the film as Final Shemp.
2: And look what they did two years later when they bankrolled him to be the lead in a movie that had no had a tie in with other stuff that people maybe had never seen, whereas Darkman was the first in the series.
0: Well, that's the thing is like Darkman always used to do that running around and cackling thing. Remember he yeah. would like run away and he had that laugh. I mean Bruce Campbell's laugh is can be perfect for that
2: i mean you can tell that sam wrote the role for him now to, to back back up one second ted Raimi. if uh, i mean sam does acting and if you've seen some of his other movies he, he acts in it but ted who's known more as an actor than as a director or, or writer have you if you've ever seen him in movies he's very recognizable oh yeah but um i was just watching one of the movies we'll talk about later but, but he was in it and i didn't realize he was that much younger than uh than bruce because he looks like he's about the same age. Hmm.
1: Well, and the two of them would work together off and on throughout their careers. I mean, Ted Ramey's probably, by a lot of people, best known for he appeared for years and years and years as the third billing character on Xena.
2: Oh, really? Was he on that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was Joxer. He I, lo- I had, love him. Yeah, Xena, Gabrielle, and Joxer were the main three.
2: Huh, makes me want to watch it more cuz I, I I love watching him work. He's just very likable. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, yeah, he Joxer is such a doofus character that it was a perfect role
2: for him. And Sam looks just like him but a little bigger. Yep. I'm looking up a picture of
0: Joxer. Oh yeah, that doofus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, he plays that role well. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's got, kind of got a face for it.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. He's Although, like, well he uh, he goes in the uh Brother of the Directors club with um Clint Howard, yeah,
2: <laughs> we'll do a show on him someday, maybe uh he was he was in um the grudge, and he had a horrible death in that movie, but he can play serious too. He just That's right. usually he does got that. his jaw, sure
0: was that he got his jaw pulled off and not his tongue so his tongue was cycling, yep, yeah, was terrible, uh yeah, all right, so let's dig into it. originally, we had um
1: oh, there's one bit of oh. trivia about him that for some reason is not in the bio at all, oh. oh. Go ahead. He's an ordained minister and has married couples. What? what? Oh yeah. I could have been
2: married by Bruce Campbell. In theory. Give her some sugar, baby.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like go upstairs and talk to Suzanne right now. Look, <laughs> now canceling this. I know 19 years was a good run. <laughs> no, you can do I, it
2: when you renew your vows. Oh,
0: there you go. When do people usually do that? Whenever. <laughs> when scooby doo says whenever.
3: <laughs> You're coming up on 20 years.
0: Oh my god, yeah. Oh, that's an awesome thought. <laughs> I got excited. I, th- <laughs> Come on. Tell me you guys are not just shit yourself. If, if Bruce Campbell showed up to to renew the vows, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, he actually oh. married a couple who are dressed up as zombies. Oh, that's fantastic. Man, is there anything he can't do? Apparently not. So, uh, But let's get into what he has done. He
2: can't play Darkman.
0: Yeah, he can definitely well, he <laughs> can't play Dark. Darkman. All right, here's the thing. We started out. Uh, initially, we we're like going to take all of Bruce Campbell's films and everything that he's done and throw it into the pile, and we're going to mark off everything that we've seen. Then we realized that there was 168 credits to his name on IMDb. So we went through, marked off everything that we've seen and recall enough of to say something about, and then got rid of the rest. Because otherwise, this show would be three and a half hours long. So... Yeah, We're going to start out with, obviously, 1981, The Evil Dead, Ashley Ash J. Williams. All of us have seen this. Do you want to just cover all all three Evil Deads in one shot?
1: uh, At least Evil Dead 1 and 2. I I think we kind of need to, and we've already started to talk about them, but let's uh, leave off Army of Darkness because it is a different animal and we'll come back to it. Got it. All right. Joel, you
2: start it up. So, oh, um, what I was kind of, I guess, continue on my uh, previous men, uh, talk about it. When I rewatched the original one, I, it's, it's so completely, totally different than, than part two, because it's dark. It's an actual horror movie. It was marketed as, you know, a uh, drive-in late night, something that will scare the, you know, the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. And then when Evil Dead 2 came out, it was more marketed as a campy, be fun, still horror movie, but like, night and day difference but yet they both independently of each other are brilliant and extremely well done and and gave the kind of earmarks of what sam raimi's direction style would then bleed into throughout his entire career that eventually got him you know spider-man yeah
1: josh well i mean the thing about this film is it was low budget but when it debuted at uh i believe it showed up at con before it yeah, yeah it was at the con film festival and uh not only did it launched the careers of Campbell and ramey but one of the reasons it got distribution by new line cinema is because stephen king gave a rave review of the film so that's kind of rare and uh, a big nod feather in the cap for everybody concerned when stephen king loves your horror movie
0: oh yeah, yeah. and that's right up his alley too i mean because that was a great i mean it's it' disturbing enough that you you reach that point a couple times where you're like, why am I watching this? Mm-hmm. But it still keeps with enough going on that you want to see that you want. You have enough invested in Ash that you want to see him escape at the end.
2: Well, it's such a simple premise. I mean, there's not a lot really to it. I mean, it's a it's a cabin. There's a book and there's evil spirits that they're trying to survive the night. I mean, it's a really a tale as old as time. But the way they do it, it's just it's iconic. It
0: really is. Yeah, they do a good job with the with, for the limited amount of money that they had for the time, they did a great job with the effects. You know, like when they approached the uh, the ca- the cabin itself in the night. You know, it's all glowing eerily. It's literally, from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I that they had parked the car and the trucks behind the behind the cabin and just turned on all the headlights to make it glow behind the cabin. You know, that's sort of like simple. Pr- and again, if you want to see some amazingly well done practical effects. That's it. That's it right there. I mean, it's every single thing that they've done was was done by trying to figure out how to physically, you know, flip Bruce Campbell across the room when the uh, witch punches him, you know, or wake to do those flying scenes, you know, where they would go through the forest and all those sort of all those sort of um, effects. I mean, they a lot of time and planning putting those together.
1: Well, and what's funny is, like, the way that Raimi directed this, a lot of times he'd come up with scenes on the fly and camera angles without any warning. And they'd have to build uh, different shooting rigs uh, with their limited budget just to accommodate his crazy plans.
2: Well, they didn't have a dolly. No. And then you've got Bruce Campbell, who's pretty much up for anything at this point. It still is to this day. I mean, if you ask him to do something, no matter how insane it is, he'll do it and he'll play it to the hill.
0: Yeah, that is. And again, just in this one and in Evil Dead 2, when it did get a little bit more campy and it, get, it got uh, realized that getting a little silly with it was actually a great thing to do. Because this, I think, honestly, between the two of the, the first two, I prefer Evil Dead 2 more.
1: I got to say that uh, when I first saw this, I didn't care for it. What? One or two. It's something about it like uh, maybe it's inconsistency of tone. Maybe it's just like there didn't seem to be any reason for what was happening. I've grown to love it as a cult classic in the years following. But when I first saw it, I thought it was kind of dumb.
2: See, for me, when I saw it, I I was hanging out with uh, the guys, Matt, Matt, Uh, a guy named Brian and uh, Barrett and we were at Brian's house and he got it. I don't know where he got it from. It was on video cassette and we all sat around and watched it and from that point forward all of us quoted it and were hooked on it and and it was all over. I mean, it was just one of those things that, we're we're like, what the hell is this? We've never seen anything like this before and it became like a focus for our entire high school career.
0: So I had the opposite effect of you. All right, so in 87... Eighty-seven, yeah, eighty-seven. Uh, Evil Dead Two came out, and like I said, the, Joel Campier. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely has. Josh, have you you've seen two, right? Oh yeah, I've seen two. I uh, came out often. They some people have thought it was like a remake. It's actually the rights to show the scenes from the original. Wait, what is this? Often considered to be a remake of the Evil Dead. 81. however, this is not accurate. The rights to show scenes from the original could not be atta- obtained to recap what happened. So the beginning was remade to explain how Ash, Ash got to the cabin. That's weird. I got a. Was there a different film cr- film company then? Uh, huh. maybe. <laughs> <I don't laughs> I'm not know, sure. That's, that's kind of strange. So, but yeah, um, most of it was shot inside a gymnasium at yep. uh, J.R. Faison Junior High School in Wade'sboro, North Carolina. And this had like ten times the budget. Yep. Yeah, three point six million on this one.
2: Yeah, if you want to see something kind of cool, um, on the the, the uh, special edition for this one, the 25th anniversary one, there's a documentary of them because they were shooting a lot of the background stuff on VHS. And there's all kinds of, it's a whole featured length almost <laughs> documentary with footage of them. And it shows the high school and all the stuff that they were shooting. And it's all of them, you know, young and, and just coming up and a lot of the practical effects. And I think I want to say Nicotero worked on it, Greg Nicotero. Um, for special effects, it was like the beginning stages of K and B, maybe. Hmm. Um, I don't know who that is. Oh, Josh, do you know who I'm talking about? I'm not sure. No, he does uh all the stuff for uh, The Walking Dead is what he's most known for nowadays. Oh, cool. But yeah, here was uh, Robert Kurtzman and Howard Berger, who all made up K and B special effects. They're like the big boys outside of uh, Ted Ted, <laughs> outside of Tom Savini. They're like the next best known. And this was kind of early on for them. So it's really neat. Cool. You should watch it.
0: So uh, let's – oh, go ahead, Josh.
1: I was just going to say, I I still kind of feel that even though the remake is only about the first hour, first half-ish of the film, yeah, there's more that's going on. You've got kind of the bridge sequence where a little bit more about the Necronomicon is developed. And then you've got the cliffhanger, which actually leads directly into Army of Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. So so. I I don't know that I'd call it inaccurate to call it a remake, but at least knowing the motivations behind the reason they had to basically have the first half of the film be a complete retelling of the first film
2: makes a little more sense now. Yeah. So Maniac Cop. The William Lustig classic. Have not seen it. Um, This is one I watched uh, about two nights ago. I've seen all three of them. Um, but the original is the one that most people know and they're talking about remaking it, which I think is a bad idea right now in the current climate. Um, but it's a, it's a more serious role for, um, Bruce. It's a lot more straight laced and, and quote unquote normal. Hmm. It's a decent movie. I mean, it's not great, but Robert Zadar. Two chins, one movie. Yes.
1: I mean, the thing yeah. I remember about this mostly is that you've got Richard Roundtree as the commissioner yeah. um, and you've got the whole thing is whether or not Bruce Campbell actually is the maniac cop or not. It, his wife suspects he is after catching him in an affair with another cop and going back and forth is he, isn't he?
0: Oh, they did a good job on the, uh, the cover of it too, not le- really letting you see who he is on the poster. So, maniac uh, cop two was he in that no intruder officer oh, oh he was but that's later okay intruder joel what was that
2: um that was a movie uh directed by scott spiegel and uh starred sam Raimi. um and uh, uh i can't uh bruce campbell's in it he's a small role for him but um, Scott Spiegel and Lawrence Bender are best known for their work with Quentin Tarantino. Lawrence Bender has always been his producer and he wrote the movie. Okay. Um, it's kind of a, it's about a bunch of people in an overnight like stocking crew at a local supermarket and they're in the supermarket overnight and they're being hunted by this killer who's apparently out to get them and I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it's a really low budget thing, but it's really, really good. And people, Talk about it because of the uh, how good it is for how low budget it was. Okay, but um, it's not really a Bruce Campbell joint necessarily. He's a small role, but it's if you've never seen it, it's really it's worth your time for sure, especially you since you've oh, uh,
0: Elizabeth Cox And she was in Night of the Creeps. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, then we got uh, Moontrap. Um, yeah, we right. skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sundown, the Vampire Retreat. I was <laughs> just. This- so yes. go ahead. No,
1: I was just going to say I think I may have seen this one, but tell us about it.
0: I I watched this one
2: on a complete like it was on um uh Amazon Prime and I was like, "Eh, what the heck? I'll I'll give it a shot." I had no knowledge of what it was about, didn't know who was in it other than Bruce. knew nothing at all. And I have to admit it was really really fun. Um and David Carradine's in it, uh Bruce Campbell of course. You've got uh, Maxwell Caulfield, who most people know as Rex Manning from Rex Manning Day. Nice. Uh, nice. Deborah Foreman, who's a, a horror staple, who's uh, M.M. at Walsh is in it, Dana Ashbrook. Um, it's just got a lot of really good people, and it's just completely stupid but fun. It's about a um, this guy named Mordelac, who's a vampire, who uh, once they discover sunscreen— they, he buys a town and he moves all the vampires into this small town to where they can live off in peace and live off of this blood substitute. And Bruce Campbell plays the great-great-grandson of Van Helsing. <laughs> and he comes to destroy the vampires, which, of course, goes smashingly well. Um Smashing. it's, it's just a really fun... Uh, movie, and um, it's a lot of these people ended up being in another movie that we're going to talk about in a bit, Wax, Wax Or 2. Oh. They all kind of carried over to that.
1: Okay. So, I was only sure I'd seen that once you got to Mortal Lack. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you've got Amazon Prime, watch it. It's worth your time. It really was really quite fun.
0: All right. So, uh, Dead Next Door? Uh,
2: low budget um, zombie movie. I just did a thing uh, for this on. Uh, the uh, Creeper cast, and it's really underrated. He plays a character, um, well, like it says there, uh, sure. Ramy, based on Sam Raimi, and um, uh, it's it's a really good zombie movie. It's just not one that people know about.
0: Okay, next up is Maniac Cop. Uh, no, uh, yeah, Maniac Cop Two,
2: Electric Boogaloo.
0: So I mean, this is the sequel.
1: You find out that the original Maniac Cop, which turned out to not be Jack, who is uh. Campbell's character, uh, comes back and he's undead and, uh, he's riding around, uh, going on a killing spree and, uh, basically revenging himself on anyone who crossed him in his life, including, uh, including Jack. Oh,
2: huh. it's, it's more of the same basically. Although this time he's less of a maniac cop and more of a zombie. And then that carries over to the third one where they get like Haitian voodoo
0: people involved.
1: Sure. And the mm. third and subsequent ones are not on our list because Bruce Campbell's character, of course, dies in Maniac Cup 2. OK, and
0: then Darkman. I got done Darkman. <laughs> he plays Final Shemp. Just a small, small. He made a small part in this one, uh, though I still think Darkman would have been better. With yeah, Bruce he Campbell. should have been
2: Darkman. Well, and the whole idea
1: of shimps, uh, that's a concept that uh, goes all the way back to Evil Dead, where if they need somebody to be in the background where you can't really make out who it is, but it's supposed to be a particular <laughs> character, uh, Raimi was calling them shimps. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was frequently a shimp. Bruce Campbell was frequently a shimp.
2: Yep.
0: So then we got uh, Waxwork 2, Lost in Time, where he plays John Loftmore. Joel, what do you Which- got?
2: Uh another one of those that snuck up on me that I've heard about that I've never seen that I really wish I would have seen a long time ago because it's just amazingly fun even if you haven't seen the first one but his part uh, they basically the characters are traveling through time into these different movies and he is in the like House on Haunted Hill uh part and it's just ridiculous he's got his he's got like a sucking chest wound yet he survives the entire ordeal tied up to a post talking the characters through things as his his entire chest is open and his guts are falling out it's fun trust all right.
0: me all right uh and then we go up to 1992 army of darkness he plays yes. comes back as ash and i think this out of out of all of them has got to be the most quotable oh sure yeah i mean i i like to tinker with my phone so there's a couple i've had more than one occasion where i've had a whole themed my phone in army of darkness so every time i get a <laughs> i get a message i get this is my boomstick. Nice. Knows, which, I'll tell you, it really does make you remember to turn the volume down in the middle of the night. Because <laughs> getting an email at 3 in the morning, and Bruce Campbell wants to show you his boomstick, wakes you up pretty quick. So, what do you guys take on this one, seeing that this is going to be one of the huge ones out of his career?
1: I actually saw this for the first time, at least in the presence of Joel. Maybe, maybe both of you guys were there. Uh, The first time we are on a minor anime kick, but this is one of the films in the middle of a whole bunch of anime that we watched in the dorm that was actually live action that we saw. And that was the first time I saw it would have been probably uh, late 93, early 94. Okay, wow. It's pretty late. Well, yeah, I didn't see this one in the film, not in the uh, uh, theater, rather, uh, being not a fan of the first two until years later. Uh, but this one I liked immediately. I mean, it was madcap. It had uh the juxtaposition of him as this grizzled slapstick hero in the 1300s uh with all of these knights and mm-hmm. confronting the deadites kind of on their home turf and making things worse because he can't remember how to
2: pronounce the incantation. <clears throat> I said the words mostly... It's one of those things I saw in the theater um, with Matt, and uh, it's everything we wanted in the third part in the series.
0: Yeah, yeah. it it was more of Ash, it was more of Chainsaw Hand, it was more of um, just everything. Just everything that we wanted out of it. I mean, even got Give Me Some Sugar Baby in that one, too. I mean, it's, uh, I want to say almost his swan song on this one, because they knew they were going out with this. So...
1: Well, and this there was a, a bunch of problems in the production here because uh, Raimi wanted uh, – he, he was short $3 million to complete this, but the studio screwed him on it. They uh, delayed the film's release. Uh, they didn't give him the money. Uh, since uh, Dino De Laurentiis was involved in the production, uh, Universal was fighting with him over the rights to the Hannibal Lecter character. So, because of that, uh, Army of Darkness actually got screwed in that little pissing match. Jeez. Wow. Uh, also, this film, they wanted a PG-13 rating, and when it was first finished, it got NC-17, which at the time was a death sentence. Oh, yeah. They had to recut it, and they recut it and recut it and recut it, and the best they could do was an R rating. Wow. Which it's really
2: th- surprised me when you watch it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because honestly, it's more cartoony violence.
2: There's not a lot of blood, guts, and gore for the most part, and the language is fairly tame.
0: Yeah. Uh, that so. shocks me. But All right. So, Hudsucker Proxy. We've all seen S- it. Do we remember? S- oh,
2: small part, fantastic movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: if we ever have a reason to return to this really, really clever comedy, we'll talk more about it. But he was such a minor cameo role in it that it's not worth spending a lot of time in this episode on. We'll
0: huh?
2: do a Cone Brothers episode at some point, maybe. Oh, now you're talking dirty. Yeah.
0: 1993 to 1994 the Adventures of Briscoe County jr oh. take it Mike okay so take Bruce Campbell make him a cowboy make him like a gunslinger pair him up with show Nuff from the last dragon as Lord bowler as his sidekick now throwing a whole bunch of of um steampunky type of dead deadlands type crap and you've got a wonderful show that should have gone on for a lot longer than it did Yeah,
2: make his arch nemesis Billy Drago Mm -hmm. Yep, and and I mean Lord
1: Bowler's part in Starts out as kind of a nemesis Where he's kind of this gruff Rough and tough, but not very smart Other bounty hunter And you've got the clever Former lawyer Character of Briscoe County
0: Jr. Always one step ahead of Lord Bowler Yeah, and it Then eventually they wind up teaming up And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so much fun uh, you can get the, let's see if you go, where is it? eBay's got it for 15 bucks. Barnes and Noble's got it for 20.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. one of those things that is again, a cult classic. A lot of people love it, but it never got what it really deserved. And I just, I started watching that again today cause I needed to refresh my memory a little bit. And, uh, I forgot that Arlie Emery played his dad in the original pilot episode.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: I yeah. totally forgot that And John Aston as Astin. the mad scientist.
0: Yeah, perfectly cast as mad scientist. Uh every and, and this is one of another ones. James Hong was in this. Uh how David Yowse. Um there's just I mean, so many like little bit parts where they throw it to these other character actors that uh Terry Bradshaw was in. What? Yep, he was Colonel March in two episodes. And what's
1: crazy is this was released the same time as the X-Files. And uh, when it first came out, this was what they thought was going to be the massive blockbuster. But then they stuck it in a time slot of Friday nights at 8 o'clock. And more than anything else, this was still the time where you could just stick a show in a time slot and there's nothing it could do. Just, like, couldn't survive the fact that people wanted to go out and drink.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, what I remember most about this, outside of just absolutely loving it, was that it started when I was um I had just graduated high school, and I loved it so much. But I was going away to college, and I didn't have a VCR, so my mom would tape it for me, and I have like a whole set of VHS tapes my mom taped for me while I was away, um, just so I could see it. And she's like, "Uh, they canceled the show," and she was all felt bad about it. <laughs> Because, see, yeah, I couldn't tape it anymore, but...
0: Well, you should have hung out with us that first year I was there. We watched every Friday night. Oh, my gosh. It Such a classic show.
1: So yeah, good. Yeah. That fun. was the
0: year before Joel and I started... Dating, College, um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, More or less. After this, 1995, he plays Charles Travis in Congo, Bit part. Gets torn apart by a monkey.
2: Yeah,
1: I was going to say, he's he's kind of the uh, character in the opening that is the reason why they all go there. It was his expedition that is doomed. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but like you say, he's killed in basically the opening scenes. Yeah. Killed at the very beginning, but gets that great scream out. Uh, then 1990 skip six skip 1996. yeah let, let's skip escape from L A because yeah, his character was terrible terrible in this one he was a Ugh. surgeon general of Beverly Hills he's uh, on that surfboard scene no that no oh, no that no, wasn't no, no. that was um, uh, Fonda that was it um, was
2: yeah no he that's right he's got like the crazy big ass
0: car and he's got like the prosthetic chin and stuff yeah like, they made his chin even bigger for it oh it's so terrible. The whole movie's awful, um, but Mennow's mind Doroth, Revolution. yeah, he was kind of a
1: small ish part in this. I mean, uh Menno was a uh, Billy Campbell, yeah, this has Corbin burnson, M- Michael Dorn, Robert Picardo, oh cool. um so yeah, it, it's a political sci-fi uh thriller Robert Vaughn <laughs> uh it's worth watching. Yeah. Um. I, I vaguely remember. It's it's nothing to write home about. It's
0: kind of a solid. Like, yeah, I saw that. Maybe I'd watch it again. All right. Joel Bruce Campbell is running time.
2: Okay. This one just to try and keep it short. The guy that directed it, um, did a, some of, a lot of his other movies and worked a lot with Ted Raimi and that whole group. But basically, the the catch to this whole movie is that it's it's all filmed in black and white and it's shot in real time. And it's supposed to take place in one fluid shot. It's like where they have a bank robbery and then uh, it just kind of goes from there. And it's it's really good if you get a chance to just check it out. It's a little, you know, kind of an indie
0: thing. Then after that, we all went together in 1997 and saw Mikhail's Navy because uh, Ernest Borgnine. Because Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, that's right. And we're we're happy that Bruce Campbell was there, but it's actually a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I was okay. It's not good. I mean, well, you know what? Is they had a great cast. They wanted to do a comedy. I mean, Tom Arnold, despite his Roseanne connections, is actually... A, I think he's actually pretty funny. I like him. Dean Stockwell, uh, mm-hmm. David Allen Greer, Tim Curry, Ernest Borgnine, Bruce Campbell, French Stewart. Kelsey Grammer, right? Yeah, uh, no. You're, no thinking, you're thinking of a different movie. Yeah, that's a different one. Oh, Down so, Periscope. Yeah, that's Down yeah. Periscope. Um, but, I mean... For the, you think for the amount of humor that they have set up on this one, they could have done a lot better than that. Yeah. So, but uh, Pitfall 3D, this is a video game that he did. He did the voice of Pitfall Harry in the uh, 3D remake of Pitfall.
1: Yeah, this was the first time you'd seen the classic Atari game brought kind of into the modern. This is the era where you've got a lot of full motion video and actors starting to do voices. And putting him into that kind of sort of iconic Indiana Jones-ish character was a big deal uh, back in the mid to late 90s. Yeah. So it was worth a mention. Yeah, too bad the yeah. game
0: wasn't that great. Uh, one episode of The X-Files, he played Wayne Wainsider. I don't remember this episode,
2: but I know I've seen the whole series, so...
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. that's where I am, too. Yeah. yeah. We re- I'll recall that at one point or another, we must have seen this. Right. Um, Dust Till Dawn, Texas Blood Shoot. Money.
2: Uh, forgettable sequel. Um, I don't even remember his character in it. All I know is uh, it's not a great movie. It, it's a t- terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> they got worse as it went on, although I hear the TV series is good, but I haven't watched it.
0: Yeah. Robert Patrick as uh Buck. And, um, God, he's really way down there. Bruce Campbell as Barry. Uh, don't yep. waste your time. Even if you are a hardcore Bruce Campbell fan, don't go there. Uh, 96 to 99, Xena warrior princess. He was Autoclus. Autolycus. Autolycus, the king of thieves. He's a demi deity, son of
1: Hermes, uh, master thief and a skilled fighter. Uh, lives by a code that he'll never kill. Uh, master escape artist and just all out da- uh, dashing rogue. Honestly, Hercules and Xena weren't awesome shows, but the uh, episodes featuring Atollicus were always really, really good ones. Now, I, all,
0: I clicked on the Atollicus link and I've got like Dwayne Johnson. Uh, that was the remake in Her- Hercules. Uh, Atollicus
1: was played by Rufus Sewell. Oh, okay. That well, that's like
0: the two thousand oh.
1: remake with a rock. All right, there is. Oh,
0: wait, there. Is he there? No. Nope. <laughs> in the very end, there's, there's Bruce with his little soul patch. <laughs> yes. All right. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, mean yeah. He, go ahead. But to, between the two series, he was only in uh, 18 episodes,
0: but uh, there were some of the best uh, of the 18. Well, he steals the scene. I mean, they. It was. I think this is another character that was almost written just for him.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, he's one of those guys that when he comes on the screen, you just can't help but want to watch
0: him. I mean, he stands out. Mm-hmm. Definitely does. And he 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 he's a. I don't say he's a character actor, but the characters that he makes are always bigger than I think they the writers intended. Does that
1: Sure. That sense? And they always worked in like he was such a fan favorite that they worked a whole backstory in where he was. Uh, became a thief, basically, because his brother was murdered by some rich, powerful guy who uh, Atollicus got revenge on by stealing all of his wealth and giving it to the poor hmm. and becoming an outlaw.
0: All right. And then that pretty much ends it for uh 1999 with uh, him playing the same character uh, in Hercules' Legendary Journeys. So, want to take a break here?
1: Yeah, this is our normal break point right before we get into the 2000s. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about everything from his uh, first appearances uh, in video games and the series Jack of All Trades to uh, some new uh, news from Bruce Campbell that is hours
0: old. Yes. All right, we'll be back in a little bit. Groovy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, and we are going to talk about The Chin Some More. We're talking about Bruce Campbell, and uh, we're starting up in 2000 uh, when Evil Dead Hail to the King, the video game, came out. Now, I'm the only one who played this.
1: You're the only one who played the full version. I remember demoing it at Gen Con.
0: Yeah, I played the full version, and it, there wasn't much difference. Mm. It was it was terrible. Um, it it What they wanted to do with the game was not able to be done at that point like he had a he had a a, a sidekick that was a little deadite midget that he would throw at enemies and he and just it it was a mess terrible anyway uh but in 2000 also jack of all trades the tv series came out where he plays jack styles the daring dragoon now this uh american spy stationed on south pacific island in the early 19th century works against Napoleon's colonizing efforts.
2: See, I thought this was a spinoff of Hercules and
0: stuff. No, no, this is this is a completely different character. Um, huh. Only lasted two seasons. <clears throat> and am I the only one that's seen this? Like,
1: I yeah. wanted to see it so bad. I think I saw, like, an odd episode here or there. Mm. But this has always been on my list of some a series I wanted to see.
0: Well, once you get into it, It's great, only two seasons long, but they have Vern Troyer as Napoleon Bonaparte. That's awesome. Yeah, (laughs) and if you look at the uh, the list of who's who's been in this show, you can scroll. Oh man, I'd say all the way all the way down, and you'll maybe get a handful of people that actually have pictures on IMDb.
1: Oh yeah, just a bunch of no name folks.
0: Yeah, but it was. I mean, it was fun. You know what kind of reminded me of? Uh, that same feel of um Tales of the Gold Monkey. That kind of like adventure type TV show. I never saw it.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't want to talk about I used to watch yeah. it.
0: Yeah, Tales of the Gold Monkey was kind of like Tailspin, except with real people. Yeah. Right, moving on. Uh, yes. The, the Majestic, which we I originally thought was the Majestic role in the Intrepid Explorer, which I thought was a great name for a movie, but it turns out it's just the movie The Majestic with uh, – Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. And he plays role in the Intrepid Explorer.
1: Yeah, I've actually seen this one as well. I did the same thing. I didn't know what the Majestic Roland was. <laughs> Small part. Pretty good
2: movie. Yeah, it was all right. It's not the best, but it's all right. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, next up, Spider-Man 2002, The Ring Announcer. Which, as
2: Sam Raimi gets bigger, Bruce Campbell's roles get smaller. And, uh... This is one of those instances where I was at the movie and I'm like, Bruce is going to be in it, Bruce is going to be in it, Bruce is going to be in it. And then they get to the part where Peter Parker is doing his first fight in the ring when after he gets his powers. And I'm like, it's Bruce. And then he's gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, he's kind of does throughout all
1: of the Spider-Man. He kind of does almost Stan Lee ish cameos.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. He, and he's has he been in all of them? Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, all of the, uh, that
0: particular run. Yeah. All the Sam Raimi ones. Yeah. Then after that, well, actually, after that same year, Bubba Hotep, where he plays Elvis.
1: Oh, yeah. This one I saw in the theater. This one I saw on DVD. So. My mom
2: sent me this for my birthday.
1: Oh, man.
0: Yeah, I saw this in
1: the theater with Dennis.
2: Huh. Nice. Um,
1: uh, I loved this movie so much. You got, uh, Bruce Campbell playing, uh, Elvis Presley, who nobody believes is actually Elvis in an old folks' home. Uh, with, uh, Jack, played by Ossie Davis, uh, who claims to be JFK despite the fact that he's African American.
2: But they explain all of it and why? Oh, yeah.
1: They totally explain the fact that, uh, these two guys are getting together. And of course, when you've got, uh, two figures whose deaths have been faked who are wasting away on an old folks' home, what's the best thing for them to do? They have to battle an ancient Egyptian mummy, of course, as you do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don Coscarelli classic, uh, instant cult status. Uh, Don Coscarelli, for those who don't know, is the man who created in, um, the franchise, uh, Phantasm.
0: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yep. Uh, so Serving Sarah?
2: Matthew Perry movie with, uh, Elizabeth Hurley. Small part.
0: Ah. Not a, not a great movie. Doesn't look like. Brief, brief. I don't know if
2: it's like that small. I mean, he's, he's, he's not a main character. He's just, he's a, one of the smaller characters.
0: Yes, and uh, Terminal Invasion. This is a TV (laughs) movie that is currently on Netflix. I watched this last night. Dude,
1: I love this movie.
0: (laughs) It is terrible. It is terrible, but it is fantastic. Uh,
1: Yeah, he's playing a criminal who is uh, being transported to basically his death sentence. And you've got the classic setup of all these disparate characters are trapped in a location by bad weather. Uh, but then you've got this whole twist of uh, an alien starts taking them over and you have to, uh, like, try and figure out who has been body snatched.
0: Mm-hmm. And you don't know where the alien came from. There's no, like, what's the word? There's no, like, tease that there's an alien even anywhere.
2: No, there's no exposition as to where they come from or why they were there. They just start there. And that they, for some reason, they decided that a small town airport is the place to start the invasion. Um, you know, the, the thing that got me about this one, <clears throat> excuse me, is that it was directed by Sean S. Cunningham and the music was done by Henry Manfredini, both who are known as the people that created Friday the 13th. And yet here they are doing this small TV movie, which was.
0: Bruce bad. paying the bills on this one.
1: <laughs> yeah. This was another one, uh, about the time I started on a kick of watching all of the bad movies he did. And there's a bunch that we skipped because I barely remember them, but man, do I remember this one yeah and this and this
0: the the effects are just as terrible as you think they're gonna be. The writing is just as horrible, but Bruce is still shines. <laughs> He does. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he plays it off. I mean, this isn't his, like, over-the-top type of thing, but he's definitely a great uh, a showman in this one.
1: Yeah. I mean, besides him, the acting's bad and the plot's bad, but it's carried by the strength of the concept and the strength of his performance.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. It's basically the thing. Yeah. You know, it's another version of the thing, but... Uh,
2: More or less, yeah.
0: Pretty much. So... But yeah, so uh, there's that, and after that, he did another video game, Evil Dead: A Fistful of Boomstick. Um, great name for a game, terrible game. PS2 Aww. version, yeah. Again,
2: I, another terrible one.
0: Oh yeah, they can't just—they can't get it right. They really can't. So, I'm hoping that one point or another, once uh, like the Oculus Rift comes out, you can just like play as Bruce, which would be great. Yeah, I think it's funny is like the best Ash uh,
1: can't ash video game doesn't have bruce campbell playing uh
0: the character which one's that
1: uh that would be the poker game
0: uh poker night oh yeah i think it's poker night 2 yeah that's a steam with uh salmon max and um uh claptrap from uh, uh borderlands isn't it yep yeah no, and that's not Bruce. Doesn't do. Oh no, he's not. He's not listening. Here is he? Nope. He,
1: uh, he, uh, there's an excellent uh, Bruce Campbell impersonator doing the voice for that one. Yeah, and it's the only time that Ash has been in a good video game.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good impersonator because he had me fooled. So after that, comic book the movie directed
2: by Mark Hamill. It's a mockumentary about comic books and Hollywood, and um, it, it's a lot of fun actually. Mark Hamill did a really good job, and. Of course, Bruce Campbell is a kind of a, a bit part, like with, along with Kevin Smith and um, Stan Lee's and Donna DiErco. It's fun, you know, it's something to kill on a Saturday afternoon.
0: Okay. And after that, Lady Killers. He plays a humane society worker.
1: Yeah, um, a really,
0: really bit part
1: <clears> in an awesome uh, another Cohen Brothers film. Yeah. Uh, Cohen Brothers actually, their connection goes back to Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi all the way back to the original Evil Dead. Really. Uh, yeah, I believe it was Joel Cohen was involved in the uh, editing process for Evil Dead.
2: Oh,
0: so and they I'm had just... a
2: small relationship ever since.
0: Yep. All right, then what have we got up? Then we've got Spider-Man Two, the Snooty Usher. Yeah, which I think was much in, his role in this one was a lot funnier than the uh, the, the wrestling ring announcer. guy. Yeah, he was really good. And, and at this point, you knew he was going to be in it, and you knew he was only going to get a bit part, but you knew it was going to be a great interaction, right, with, with old Toby. Uh, Alien Apocalypse. Oh man, oh. Oh, this was so terrible. <laughs>
2: this one was didn't have the appeal that Terminal Invasion did, although it was trying to be similar. It it just it was almost painful at times. And again, he does the best with what he's got to work with, but some about it I didn't care for.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this was right around the time that sci fi was making original movies before they were trying to make them intentionally bad. Just kind of making them accidentally bad. Yeah, this and is this an And this one ad. straddles the line. And because they're...
0: I think that they had to know it wasn't good. It's weird. I'm looking at the cast, and it's like Bruce Campbell, Renee O'Connor, Remington Franklin, and everybody in there. But once you get to like the characters like Fisherman Bob, Vladimir Kolov, Valentin Yazbili, Valenziar Biev. Every, wow, you're doing every, really good. Every single one of these names, Demeter Kuzov, Krum Iplov, Tonas talking, Tonus, Jonas talking to Nokia. Then maybe that's kind of weird. <laughs> you get to Jonas and fuck it up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's Zlatko Zlatkov as bounty hunter number four. So wh- where did they film this? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's,
2: it's not good. It, it basically takes place in like a cave, if I remember correctly.
0: Uh huh. For the most part, well, and it's, it's the same six pieces of set that they just rearrange to make it look like a hallway. Sometimes, so. yeah,
2: it just it doesn't it just doesn't have that charm to it. It's like Josh said, it's like they they are making a bad movie, but they're not doing it intentionally.
1: Yeah, the, uh, Lucy Lawless was originally offered the role that was became Renee O'Connor's role, and she didn't want to be in this pile of crap. Uh, This was one of two movies pitched to the sci-fi channel by the team of uh, Josh Becker and Bruce Campbell, and the other one we're about to talk about, the, The Man with the Screaming Brain.
0: Wait a second, okay. In the trivia for Alien Apocalypse. Alien Apocalypse is loosely based off the fear surrounding the immigration of illegal aliens from Mexico. Some have even said that a Republican Party's viewing of this film has scared them into changing legislature. I'm calling bullshit on that. <laughs> yep. Cuz I can't see anybody in Washington sitting down to watch this movie. It's just a weird. Okay, man with the screaming brain. Sorry. Joel, you've seen okay. this?
2: I've actually seen it twice. Um the first time I saw it, I didn't know quite what to expect and I wasn't in the right headspace. Um I watched this yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Um again. And I it's it's written and directed by Bruce Campbell. Um not a lot of other names in it, uh, except for Stacy Keach and, and Jonas Ted Talkington, Talkington what? and what?
0: Vladimir Kolev. Oh my well, God. This also has Vladimir Gazbelly in it. Well, yeah,
2: they're
1: back. <laughs> they're back. Um, Remington Franklin's back for this too.
2: But, uh, Ted Ramey, it uh, comes close to stealing the show from Bruce, but, uh, Bruce Campbell plays, uh, an American businessman who goes, um, to this, just this, I don't what city it was now. Russia? No. Russia. Uh, anyway, in Bulgaria, a small yeah. town in Bulgaria. He goes there, and um, he's trying to revitalize the city with a subway system that's already been built, but he's trying to get it kick-started to finish the funding for it. Well, while he's there, uh, he hooks up with this cabbie who kind of gets him around town and, and his wife, and they end up running into this gypsy woman who kills them both. Stacy Keech has perfected this thing where he can connect two people's brains together, um, and... Uh, you know, save lives was his intention. But the side effect that he didn't quite plan on is that they um, even though it's Bruce Campbell's body and half of his brain, the other half of his brain is the uh, Bulgarian cab driver. And as you can imagine, a lot of jokes based around Bruce Campbell not being able to control his own bottle, bodily functions. So like he beats the crap out of himself and things.
0: It's like Bruce Campbell does all of me. <laughs> it's,
2: it's like Bruce Campbell. Yeah. That plus, uh, the evil dead sequence where his hand comes to life. Yeah. And it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Ultimately, it's completely ridiculous. It's totally low budget, but it's done with such love and, and just tongue in cheek that you can't help but love it. It's just, it's well worth your time. And it's, uh, uh, it's available everywhere, but I don't think you can watch it streaming, I don't believe, right now.
1: Yeah, I know that Bruce Campbell wanted to make this film for almost 20 years, and it was supposed to be set in L.A., but uh, Bulgaria was so cheap to film in that they just changed the script.
2: Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that you just have to see to believe.
0: Wow. All right, so then we've got Sky High, where he plays Coach Boomer. Another cameo, yeah, another cameo. But you've got uh, Kurt Russell in this, so you got almost got a twofer in it. So,
1: yeah, I uh, think we talked about Sky High back when we did uh, this particular show concept,
0: but on Kurt Russell yeah, a Kurt while Russell back. Show. Yeah, it, it's a fun, fun movie. Better it's than, Disney. Yeah, uh, and then they do another video game, <laughs> Evil Dead: Regeneration. Played this one; it's crap. Still, damn it! What? No, I, I keep I, hoping you're going to say it's good. No, you know, well, I mean, it's. Joel, let me change. Joel, you would probably like it. Why? Because it's Bruce, right? And but the thing is, it's I don't know. It's they just can't get the feel right, you know?
1: Yeah, the gameplay is un- uninspired. The shooting mechanics are bad. The controls are clunky. And that's the thing is like,
0: and that's what happens when you have these like themed, like a movie game or that sort of thing. You wind up with this you know, the right voices and all that, but they throw together the mechanics and the actual gameplay. So it's, yeah, it's all the right things, but it's put together so poorly you don't want to have anything to do with it.
2: Well, here if this if this would tell you whether I'd like it or not, I own Stranglehold, the John Woo Chow Yun Fat game, and I really enjoy it because of the people involved, but it's not a good game. Mm. So I'm guessing it's something like that.
0: It's worse than that.
2: Mm. Yeah. Interesting.
0: All right. So then after that aqua teen hunger force colon movie film for theaters he plays chicken biddle
2: yeah it was the voice yeah it's the the cartoon based on the adult swim yeah tv series which is in its last season now um i don't remember him in it but they have lots of weird cameos that don't always get recognized so
0: yeah it's like a giant chicken shaped chicken bit i love aqua teen hunger force but i
2: i do not remember him i'll have to go back and watch it again
0: all right. I am not a fan of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh. Yeah, that happens. All right. Then after that, My Name is Bruce, where demons attack, and Bruce Campbell just happens to be living in a, a camp- campground. He's got his little trailer. Does anyone remember this, right, Joel?
2: Um, yeah, basically, yeah. He's, um, I don't remember why he's there, whether it was for, they, they get him there somehow.
0: Yeah, but he's, in this movie, he actually plays Bruce himself. Campbell. And they think that he's this hero. He th- They basically think he's he's Ash. But they go get him because they have this horrible uh, uh, Chinese uh, demon warrior running around. So he has yeah. to go save the day.
2: And he, he directed it. Um, and so, you know, right there. I mean, he's, he's got his money, his time, his name all over it. And um, it's written by a guy who generally does a lot of TV stuff like uh, Battlestar Galactica, Heroes, Falling Skies. Uh, the Constantine show. I mean, so it's, you know, got a nice pedigree with it, but it's all tongue in cheek. And if you've ever wanna see Bruce Campbell play Bruce Campbell, it's 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 a it's just a lot of fun. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it wasn't quite as good as I was expecting, but it's still way above and beyond a lot of other crap that's out there these days. Plus Bruce Campbell.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh Spider Man three, he plays the Mater D. Another small part big movie crap movie uh hellboy the science of evil the video game he plays lobster johnson uh marginally better than the other games and
1: it's kind of a shame because lobster johnson is such a great character in the hellboy universe and uh a perfect casting for the voice i would love to see him this happen with them decide to have him as the voice of Lobster Johnsons should he ever show up in another Ron Perlman
0: Hellboy. Yeah, and they this is they actually had Ron Perlman and Selma Blair did the voices of uh, Hellboy and Liz Sherman. So, all right, so cloudy with a chance of meatballs. He plays Mayor Shelbourne, which was a great great movie. Have you? S- have, did you own this the seeing it, Josh? No, you haven't seen this.
1: I I saw bits and pieces of it when teaching special ed, and I actually didn't care for it. They're the same kind of DreamWorks versus Pixar. This is a DreamWorks movie, and I I didn't care for it very much. Well,
3: uh, it's
2: based on the the children's books, and very loosely. Yeah, very loosely. But um, we uh, we own both of them, and I've I've seen them multiple times. I think they're a lot of fun. And his, I mean, it's so obvious that it's him. I mean. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah i i think they're good personally i enjoy them
0: yeah and then in uh cars 2 he plays rod torque redline
2: who- i like cars 2 i don't know it gets a lot of hate but i really liked it and you can't go wrong if you got bruce campbell right i mean
0: no you can't i mean we've talked about a bunch of stuff that shows <laughs> that's clearly <laughs> just, not true
2: i just wanted to see what you'd say if i said. Yeah.
0: That. <laughs> um yeah i've never seen cars 2 i think cars is like maybe one of the last like pixar no take that back there was brave but um yeah didn't really dig this one uh,
1: i guess we go to uh the last thing on our list that all three of us have seen i i'm only sure all three of us have seen it because we did it for the show
0: yeah oz great and powerful he played Winky Gatekeeper.
1: Yeah, basically, he reprises the role, if you're watching the original Wizard of Oz, of when you get to the Emerald City, the guy who pops out of the door. Yeah,
0: it's snarky to everybody.
1: Yeah. That
2: Sam Raimi, awesome big budget, small world. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good movie, though. I was really surprised at how much I like this movie.
0: All right, then we got that uh evil well and then this is things that we haven't seen yet well well evil dead he plays ash joel seen him in the in the 2013 evil dead yeah the stinger at the end
2: (laughs) yeah if you've if you've never seen this um it's more most uh, akin to the original 1981 film although this one is it's a really really great horror movie it's extremely dark very bloody very gory um, but at the very, very end after the credits, they kind of show him in silhouette and darkness. And you can tell it's him, but they kind of pan up to his face and he goes groovy. And then it cuts to black. And that's the end. And they've been talking about when they were kicking around Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness 2, whether they were going to do Army of Darkness and Evil Dead and have them kind of coexist in the same universe. So that Ash would then cross over into this series, which would be completely strange because this is so incredibly dark and actually a horror film. That to have those two come together, I don't know how it would work. But they're still talking about it.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a universe where Predator versus Archie is a thing. So,
2: yeah, that's true. But not in a movie. Not yet. <laughs> I'd, watch another, I'd watch Predator. <laughs> don't versus me wrong. Archie. I would watch it because I, I, I was really, really satisfied with the Evil Dead. The <clears throat> So anyway.
1: Okay, so now kind of out of sequence, because we're getting to when it went off the air. You've got one of the biggest things of what he's known for now. From two thousand seven to twenty thirteen, you've got the television series Burn Notice. Yes.
0: Um this is where he plays uh Sam X, and he's kind of like a rogue. rogue? Yeah,
1: he's a disgraced, disgruntled uh ex agency spy who has turned private eye and still has a lot of contacts in the espionage world. And he is one of the first people that, uh, Jeffrey Donovan's character, the lead Michael Weston turns to once he suddenly, uh, finds himself deactivated on a hit list, all of his assets frozen. And is just trying to find out why he got burned by the agency and Sam acts in his, uh, girlfriend slash psycho partner uh fiona played by gabrielle anwar uh those three are your series leads and regulars all
0: the way through and he bruce in this one is pretty much just bruce always wearing a hawaiian shirt you know the almost kind of slacker private investigator uh always got something up his sleeve type situation grizzled
1: drunk who's dating all these crazy women
0: yeah yeah and it, he's a great character in this, and they actually made a movie, Sam the uh, Sam X movie that's based off of how he came to be, and I really want to see that now that I know it exists. Uh, one quick one before we get to uh, what just recently happened, uh, Psych, the TV series, he plays Dr. Ashford N. Simpson. I've seen this episode, and it's awesome because Bruce Campbell is awesome, and the show is actually a lot of fun. Uh, But this uh, psych, one of the things they have that goes through the entire series is every episode they have a guest and it's always like this throwback to the 1980s type characters. So you'll have like Ralph Macchio plays a cop, a, a, tre- a cop that's training pl- uh, at the uh, police academy type thing. You know, you've got all these different throwback characters that go back to uh, the 80s. But then there's coming up ash versus evil dead the tv series yeah on stars that's going to be premiering this coming halloween yes and i'm all about that i've seen you can see the trailer we actually should post the trailer online to anybody who hasn't seen it but it looks like it's a lot of fun
2: i would say i think all of us are balls deep into this one and will be um the only thing i'm a little concerned about is that i read um the ash versus evil dead comics and it left a little something to be desired. I think it's kind of lost in the translation that, you know, you go from uh, the character that you can you can, you can can read it in his voice, but you don't get that same charm. And so it works, but I'm kind of curious how they're going to, if they're going to go that route or whether they're going to go another route. But what I've seen in the trailer, which I've watched several times, it, it I think it's going to be stellar.
0: Yeah. All right. So, Josh, do you want to give the announcement of what just happened a few hours ago? Uh, yeah. I mean, we
1: selected this uh, as our topic, as we occasionally do. We do the retrospective of the then and now of an actor that we generally like or at least is ubiquitous. So we didn't know that uh, several hours before we started recording this, uh, Well, usually shows drop on Sunday and we record the Thursday. A couple hours before we started recording, Bruce Campbell suddenly came out with an announcement. Uh, Kickstarter. There's a pop culture game show called Last Fan Standing and uh, the Kickstarter for Season 2 just launched today and uh, the announcement was broken by uh, the one and only Bruce Campbell himself.
0: So, so he, he, gonna he be was the
1: host. It? Yeah, the, It was a shot uh, series that was shot live to tape from uh, Comic Con and he was the host of Last Fan Standing and uh, Yeah, he's going to make season two.
0: Nice. I need to watch this. I have never seen an episode of this. I haven't either. So yeah, the Kickstarter actually started today, is going to be running
1: through uh, September 21st. Uh, It started five hours ago. And uh, yeah, they're looking for $250,000. And as of the recording of this show, a couple hours later, they're at about four grand. Oh, wow. Uh, so they got a ways to go, but uh, yeah, they've got up. over a month. That's kind of cool because uh, it's sort of a prove who's the biggest, baddest nerd mixed with kind of what we do at Gen Con with Instant Game Show. Oh, really? Except it's a lot, obviously a lot higher budget as they have a set and Bruce Campbell. Yeah, <laughs> right. just a podium and us. <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> Aww.
0: Oh, that's kind of sad. All right. So have we... Uh, Talked about the Bruce long enough? Yeah, I think we've uh, talked about the man, the myth, the legend. The chin. Yes. So, um, all right. So, So, what do we have on tap for next week, gentlemen? We've got movie theaters
1: yeah we talk a lot about uh films how they get remade and what the original was like and uh how it compares to the new but we're next week we're gonna do something a little different we're gonna talk about the experience of going to the theater itself
0: yeah and um how much we we how much we thought we were paying how much we paid for the movies back then how much we're paying now popcorn how much is it really per ounce dun 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 you know what's the first movie we ever saw
1: yeah yeah our experience is uh all through our childhood and teenage years and what it's like to go to the movies now
0: all right and oh drive-ins too oh yeah okay oh, so, good point and um if you guys would like to listen to some of our older shows like i said we're still throwing those up on uh itunes little by little they're coming back up a hundred shows is discovered is quite a lot um getting those up there, but if you want to see some of the other stuff, you can also go to Talk Shoe, where all of our shows are hanging out, Uh Stitcher and Blueberry, and of course iTunes. Uh, and I just want to toss out a fa- uh, question for you guys, is if you like the show, could you go on iTunes just leave us a review? Tell us what uh, you think of it. Yeah, uh, if typing up a review is too much, throw us a rating. Yeah, let us know how you think we're doing, because we really want to know about that sort of thing. You know, should uh Stone Snagglepuss come back? Should No. He s- no. <laughs>
2: Hey, Martha wanted it. (laughs) Or
0: or if you want, you can also call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or get us on 40go14 at gmail.com or on Facebook or on Twitter.
1: Yeah, Twitter at 40go14. Yes.
0: So till then, we'll see you at the movies. Hear you. (laughs) (laughs) I did, I, <laughs> way to stick, baby! Way to stick the landing, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking to a theme, damn it. Because uh, I votes. know they can see me a little.
3: You are now leaving the world of the musings of a geek podcast network. Stay geeky, my
0: friends. All right, everybody, we are back and going to talk to more, a little bit more. You know what? Fuck that. Let's do this again.
1: (laughs) We're going to talk to more.